Hi everybody, before we begin, just letting you know that we encountered a hiccup towards the end of the episode where Sean's recording got a little bit lost. However, just letting you know that his Instagram handle is at Ho, which I will mention in the notes, as well as his online portfolio, which I highly encourage everybody to have a look at, will also be mentioned in the notes. Please check that out and support him. And now we continue. which is an extension of my blog, Archimist in the Making. I'm your host, Kimberly Hoy, the millennial who finds architecture's relationship with anything and everything quite interesting. And today, I've brought on one of my friends, Sean Ho, to talk about a few things. Hey, Hi, guys, Sean. what's going on? Hey. Hey, Kim. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no, thanks for joining me today. So, just wanted to say hi and just see how things are on your end right now. Yeah, not too bad. You know, um, I graduated Monash University last year in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, So I finished off my master's degree. Um, So for the last five, six months, we've been architecture job hunting. Um, It's been a bit of a tough climate, but it's okay. We just have to be persistent and patient in terms of, you know, everything that's going on at the moment. But yeah, we'll all make it in the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it will happen for everybody because I'm in the same position as you. Like, I think finding jobs is one of the very common topics that comes into our conversation. And given the circumstances right now, it is a little bit hard. But having said, I think just before we touch on that topic briefly as a wrap up for today, I think one of the main things I would love to talk to you about today is about the abstracts and concepts when it comes to architecture design. So as both of us have graduated not so long ago, well, I graduated a little bit longer, but I think one of the things that I find or we find a little bit frustrating is that in uni, we often have to come up with a really extravagant concept before like going into and before like finalizing our design. Whereas when you go into practice, it's so different. Yeah, but I think that's what, education does though I think there is no I think universities know that when you do get out into the workforce there's a sense of realism that has to take place but I think with architecture school you know education should be something that should catalyze your imagination with no boundaries and you can exercise that creative ability that you know you may not necessarily get when you go out into the workforce like so many people time and time again when you speak to them, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I've gone out to the workforce, but I'm just modelling a toilet now for, you know, for however long. But in uni, you know, like you're doing bigger things. So I think with uni, it just gives you limitless boundaries first and then you taper it back when you get out into the industry. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point that you've made there. I think before we get started, what in during like when we first started university, what were your first thoughts when we were told to like create a concept or like when we were given something abstract and we had to do something, I don't know, make a model or make a design out of it as such? Well, I think the first project that we were definitely given in first year architecture, first semester was um, we had to make cast molds of our bedroom and then have to extract different ideas and shapes and forms out of our cast models and then develop them using four different Mm. material types. Mm. Um, 
But I think the main reason why Monash initially did that as an educational facility was definitely to, you know, tease out what people's idea about architecture is, you know, like I think what people's impression about architecture is when they leave high school is like, oh, you know, I'm going to be making and designing skyscrapers and whatnot the first thing out. But I think why Monash puts you through this abstract design exercise is to actually make you realize that it is an art form in itself. And I think that the dropout rate of like 20, 30, 40% by the end of first year just really goes to show that architecture in itself is really misunderstood by people who don't know what it is entirely. Like I had no idea what it was entirely doing it, but only after I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually an art form as well. You're a designer, you know, like architectural designer. That's your profession. Yeah, I agree with you on that because the thing is, didn't you start off architecture with a double degree in architecture and engineering? Yes, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because the thing is, mm. it's like, um, I find that architecture, I thought it was borderline of engineering and design when I first like thought about architecture because a lot of people were talking to me about like oh yeah you must know the structures and such when I was going into the course looking forward to like oh my gosh I can use maths again because I actually miss maths so much but then when I go in I'm thinking the closest thing I get to maths is figuring out scales like what the yeah. heck? <laughs> and even we find that pretty hard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with scale. I only learned to appreciate scale when we had to physically build something. So I think that was the first time where I went into a studio or a design where concept was more practical and on the pragmatic edges rather than being really abstract as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that happened with you when you did engineering and um, architecture at the same time. Well, when I was doing the double for my first semester, um, we we did that cast model, like I said before, but then in engineering, we're working a lot on like structural loads and like dead loads and how you figure out the math for that. So mm. I think um, in speaking to, in my interview, in getting into that double degree, I was like, oh, you know, like, what do people favor most in the double degree? Like, do they leave to become engineers or do they become more so designers after that? And they're like, oh, it's actually more so engineers. Like engineering is your main degree that you're working on whilst mm-hmm. architecture is that secondary supportive degree. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. In terms of that aspect, I think in terms of that double degree, I think it gave a sense of realism in terms of how to design, uh, like, even nowadays, we still notice that some projects, when you walk around, they defy gravity. They're, they're not possible. And I think that's what abstract could be as well. That could yeah. be another way of describing what an abstract architecture is. It's more so a study or an exploration of, you know, a space or an idea, something like that, yeah. Mm, yeah, I think personally, as somebody who's only stayed in architecture I think most of the time a lot of the studios I ended up choosing were always really abstract based I'm not somebody who likes to think pragmatics until the only time where I had to do something pragmatic was because of second year when I did Mm. that big west house festival so we had to make furniture that was usable and it was according to standards and as much as we want to put a really nice concept to it so like, the concept we had was to make it comfortable, but I wanted something more poetic, which I sometimes struggle with, where 
you want a concept that is abstract, but then you're also fighting with the pragmatics of it. And I don't know if you've gone through that yourself. Mm, I think I'm also, I'm kind of different because in all the studios that I've picked, I've always kind of picked them based on how could I present this in a cohesive folio to present to a firm that I want to work for in the future. Like I wanted something that had a sense of realism and kind of inspired by what's already been built, but, you know, my take on that. And I guess that was the approach that I took. Um, Not to say there's a right and wrong, not to say it's a black and white, but I think in terms of what I preferred, I definitely found that I preferred having something that could be built in the sense of realism. And I think architecture at uni always encouraged us to be, you know, use our imagination, be as creative as possible. But I think they also tried to tie it down with like professional practice and technology and environments so we could actually get a sense of realism into our work um i think they know that people loved picking abstract so they also had to tie it back with a sense of like um you know this is black and white will your structure work yes or no compared to other universities from what i've heard i think monash is more so on the creative creative field versus if you went off to do a diploma or in building and construction you would know what goes in between a 200 millimeter you know wall slab but if you were to ask a Monash student, unless you had experience outside, I can say majority of people don't really know. I'm not sure if you agree on that, you know. Yeah. No, I think the only times I ever really had to consider like the feelings of the walls was when our master's project had to become a little bit more realistic because of the additional layers of research. Because mm. I think like if you think about uni, right, the first couple of years is to allow you to see where your strengths and weaknesses are in terms of forming your ideas and then how do you articulate putting that message across at least that's how I feel and then when you go to a bit more realistic sides of things because by third year like second half of third year we had to do like larger strategic planning so like a lot of urban strategies but then I went back to downscale back in masters where to make mine more believable I had to start researching on like the layers and the details of it in between so Maybe to some extent, yes. I probably, like, if we weren't told to start putting those additional realistic layers and elements into it, then I would have probably been still clueless about to this day. But given that we've still got tutors who are practicing architects, at least they can still help give us a little bit more information. Although I feel like our uni just makes us learn things by initiative sometimes and not just being like depend solely dependent on our tutors to get to where we are expect to be. Yeah, like I mean in some instances when you're in a studio, like sometimes, you know, you've got your really good tutors who they don't tell you whether what you're doing is wrong or right. They don't say, oh, no, you should design it like this because based on their own, you know, personal preference for what they think is good design. But I think what a good tutor would do is to encourage you to develop your interest you know then you actually fall in love with this career because you're like oh okay I get to do what I want what I think is awesome and they're supporting me and teaching me how to make my abstract or my realism design you know work as best as they can but a crappy tutor from what I've learned would be like nah this is how it has to be because they're trying to use it to build their own PhD work. And sometimes that hidden agenda that we don't see actually hurts and damages students and their creative ability because they're 
you're setting a boundary for what they can do. You know, if if some students want to be abstract, then let them be abstract. Don't don't <laughs> don't confine them with rules and say no because it won't work. It's like, but education is an exploration, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. However, I'd like to ask though. Sure. When it comes to designing an abstract concept, right? Like, is do you think that there should even be boundaries at all, or should it be like? there should be some limitations because I feel that if each studio has a theme, for example, and then somebody still has a completely different idea of what they want to do, but it's Mm -hmm. not, oh, I don't know how to explain it. It's more like, does abstract, to design something abstract, do you need boundaries and rules, essentially? I think being abstract in itself means that there are no boundaries and rules. I think abstract architecture that is built would have rules obviously you've got you know like yeah um the building measurements the offsets you know um you've also got the materials that you're allowed to use and you've also got gravity you know Mm. there is something called gravity in architecture but i think if you're also in an educational environment and you're doing something abstract i think then your abstract architecture doesn't have boundaries and that's how your architecture could move more into a sculptured form and it's like this form over function kind of thing. Mm. But I think, you know, like abstract architecture having rules or boundaries, then rules gives and connotes a sense of realism to it. Like rules are there because they have to abide by being able to be built or being able to, you know, cater towards its surrounding context that's why rules are in place but if their architecture is abstract and it's a study and an exploration and if you're in an educational environment when you remove that then i think it's true abstract architecture Mm. if that makes sense yeah i think i guess it does make sense to me the thing is i'm like kind of wondering whether there have been real-life architecture that has been successful in portraying an abstract concept or if abstract concept is something that is meant to be temporal because I relate abstract with a lot of artworks. So some of my favourite artists like Louise Bourgeois, uh, you've got Yayoi Kusama, like they are really good at taking something physical but it's abstract because we don't understand what their meaning is until like you've seen a description and such so like because the thing is back in third year we had to study several buildings that had really weird concepts to a point where it does not make sense physically it only makes sense when you've done in-depth research on it so I'm just thinking like have you do you think you've got any precedents that you reckon is portrays abstract relatively well despite having the conventions and the restrictions of a building well, I mean, I think before I answer that, it actually goes back to what's on my mind in the moment. It's like when I was mm. doing a photography unit at uni in third year, um, my tutor always, like people are so used to taking that, you know, Instagram-worthy photo where everything's symmetrical, the colours are popping, and you've got, you know, insane clarity on it and there's this isolated figure in the background and it's like, boom, 400 likes. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the follows. I'm now Insta famous. But I think what I learned through that is like this term called instant consumption, where if you can look at a photo and you can just be like, oh, okay, cool. 
it's a photo of someone standing in a cool architecture form. You're like, okay. <laughs> but it's like if you threw an egg on a table and you took a photograph of that, my two would be like, ooh, there's some content to this, you know. I can't tell what the story is, but you're leaving the imagination up to me. I can't instantly consume this. So he's like, I find this much more of an interesting photo than this architecture photo that you're presenting me. And I was like, ah, okay. So that's abstract in itself, you know, like where you actually, there's no instant idea that's evident when you look at it. But when you think about it, you're like, oh, okay. Like that green blob on Swanson oh Street my at MIT. What, what is it? You know, no one knows, but oh, abstract. Oh, actually, we know. Actually, we kind of do know. Once you study it, we do know what it is, but it does not make sense whatsoever. Still, <laughs> it's so sad. Like you want to understand it, but it still doesn't. There's a lot of complexities behind that green blob because it links to another, build, like into another uh. area in itself. But anyway, good take on that abstract concept. Because the thing is, it's like, if you go back to art again, I it's like that um, banana and duct tape incident. Like, you know how there was this artist who duct taped a banana to a wall and then it became like a massive, like $50,000 value. I don't remember the value. And then somebody was like so sick of that artwork that he actually took the banana off the wall and ate it. So that was like another artwork. In really? Itself. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> So it's a little bit like, I guess, abstract to some extent is your contemporary architecture method because I feel like you're able to just make a couple of sentences and then as long as that sentence supports elements of your design, then you have successfully created Mm -hmm. something abstract. Or if you present it to a range of audience who likes to overanalyze things, Mm. I'm the guilty party here, like who likes to overanalyze everything, then I can say that, oh, that design is abstract because you're making me think like 10,000 things at once. But then again, could a simple white, simple sana, white box structure may not look abstract, but is it abstract in its concept? You know, that's where I think this whole conversation Mm. becomes like, you know, mind messes with your mind because you're like, what's what, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think, like, I think as well, like, firms like Heatherwick and Zaha, like, they've used this abstract. And if you ask them, like, oh, do you think your work is abstract? They're like, no. Mm. It's probably because I think abstract is also very subjective, you know. To them, it might make sense. So, but to us... Would it only make sense after we find out what they're trying to communicate? Or is it abstract because of its form? Or is it abstract in terms of just because we think abstract is just an adjective to just put on buildings that initially don't make sense or are just different? So I think abstract is a definitely like a topic of discussion and it's great that we're having this conversation because I think I think that word is also a buzzword that people throw around to just describe things that may not necessarily they might find, you know easily understood so like oh oh yeah your work is um yeah abstract yes <laughs> mm. yes keep doing what you're doing i'll see your work next week the number of times like people have heard that and it's because some tutors as well they don't know how to cater towards abstract but they know how to cater towards realism kind of thing yeah yeah i agree with you because personally i remember um one of the things 
when you were talking about how we had to do the cast model, like that yeah. cast model of our bedroom, yeah. and then our coordinator was like, pull out different shapes and put them into three different forms of different materials. I'm thinking, the heck are you talking about? I have no idea what you want me to do. And none of the models that we made even resonated with our bedroom at all. Like one of them yeah. was made out of triangles. I'm like, yeah, they're triangular forms of it. My room is rectangular. Like, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing triangular about my room. What is four sides minus one side, three sides? Oh, you're so abstract. <laughs> and, like, when you have to explain it to students, I'm thinking, like, I hate being put on the spot because every time I'm being told, yeah, yeah, just, like, they ask me, oh, yeah, do you think my concept is too abstract? Um, and I'm thinking, sometimes, I guess, what we're trying to ask you is that, you do have to unfortunately pull ideas out of in there and then just be able to phrase it in a way that makes sense. I feel mm-hmm. like because then if we're going to use abstract, as you said, like how the tutors have said, I feel guilty sometimes if I say it because then it feels like I'm just using it as an excuse to cover saying like, I don't know what I can critique you on because it's it's confusing. Like your ideas are not solid enough for me to get a good grasp or comprehend what your vision is as well. Yeah, I think that's what critiquing, the hard part about critiquing is because sometimes there may necessarily not be anything to critique about their work because it's so good in terms of how well it's structured, how well the concept was driven to arrive at the final delivery of what they're trying to show you. But Mm. I think what being abstract does is it adds another layer of complexity to a design that they necessarily may not have had before. It just adds that final cherry on top you know just be like you know my architecture is not only just about this but behind it I've considered this and I think that's the hard part as well about you know your job and it's having to encourage students as well to be wild with the designs because I think you can always tell somebody to taper it back but it's always harder for to encourage someone to be more creative because what if they're not creative you're gonna be like be more creative and you're like I can't (laughs) yeah oh yeah but like if you were at a point like have you ever been in a point where Mm. you wish that you were more abstract with your idea like have you come across any of your like looking back at the projects that you've done so far have you had some that you wish you were more abstract like putting that extra layer of complexity or like opening more doors for different conversations Mm. I think in terms of, you know, like you could even say that, you know, my concepts were somewhat imaginative and abstract and we were thinking about, you know, the narrative behind our stories, behind our work, you know, like especially in my final semester where I created this concrete structure and it was like a museum and it was called The Reverie and it was, you know, an interplay of light and concrete and material structures and how different planes could come together to create like in a, a unique environment, you know, pushing and pulling um, heights of spaces and all that kind of stuff. And I think in how I approached that narrative, it was very abstract. Like I never usually considered a narrative in my work, but when you actually create something like an abstract or slash synonym narrative, um, it actually communicated really, 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 really well with communicating it to a panel Mm. because I think then it goes back to the instant consumption thing you know like Mm. some critique could look at your work and be like okay cool they don't see what you've done but then when you create this abstract narrative 
for your work, then it adds that strength to it. And you're like, ah, okay, that's why he did that. Mm. Ah, okay. And then they can actually stimulate their imagination of them in the space as well. Okay, I see what he did here. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think every form of architecture has an abstract narrative, mm-hmm. an abstract mode of, you know, action towards how it came to be. Mm-hmm. But I think how I took abstract was definitely just through the narrative at the end. Another project I did was a building that was to be 3D printed. Um, to accommodate for the Shane economy. So it was like a 25-storey residential tower and there was a huge 3D printer on the top. Mm -hmm. And then as the economy grew and urban density, you know, obviously increased over time to accommodate for the mega city in 2050, the printer would use data analysis to accommodate for more residents moving into the building. Mm. So I guess that was the most abstract idea. Mm. And I guess... In the future, this abstract idea, being subjective again, may not be abstract. It may be the norm. So I think the idea of abstract always fluctuates. And I think based on the period and time that we're in has different connotations than what it could be. Yeah, I agree with Mm -hmm. you on that. I think um, even the comment that you said, like how abstract at at this point today will be abstract, but then who knows, in several months' time or like in a few years' time, it's going to be just a realistic form so Mm. perhaps then like if we look back into like all the movements that we've studied in the past perhaps at some point it was abstract but then nowadays it is applicable to the things that we've designed although Mm. I'm thinking like I think the only exception I would say is I wonder if oh gosh I might get under fire for this but either modernist architecture or modernism like in the Corbs movement, I wonder if some of his ideas were ever abstract because like his whole five points of architecture is now has always been used in a lot of the other design principles that we see today. So Yeah, and you know, like back then there probably were less rules and then you've got distills I think what's eighteen, sixteen points of architecture. Like back then you know, for somebody to, like, implement that, they'd be like, wow, you're being so weird, bro. You're, <laughs> you're so abstract. But now we're using that abstract to guide teaching. So it's crazy how when time goes, like, something that was once weird is now suddenly, like, appreciated, mm. you know. Or the fact that Corbs back in the days, like, people may not have appreciated his work as much as we probably do now. Mm. And I think that's a direct reflection on how our taste and interpretation of work changes Mm. you know all you need is for one critique who's well respected in the industry be like "Mm, yeah that building is so good (laughs) and then before you know it it's going to be appearing in arc daily articles most amazing architecture forms of 2020 and you're going to see it in there so yeah I think another term to add to your instant consumption is instant gratification as well. It's like, Mm. um, I think nowadays, as much abstract we want to be because it's given that we're living in a society where efficiency is such a high demand thing that people just want to get things instantly without having to dictate it. So I feel like to some extent, the idea of abstract is partially lost, which breaks my heart a little bit but at the same time I think Mm. given that because people nowadays need to survive in this type of commercial industry and a very 
dare I say it in quotes, materialistic society that I think the concept of abstract isn't as strong as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, Frank Gehry, Mm. you know, would you say you like Frank Gehry's work? Frank Gehry, I think... I feel like he just likes making big statements for the sake of making big statements sometimes. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure in the back of his head he's got some wild ideas. Like, I think uh, Bill Bow Was it the Bill Bow one? Because he shaped it as a way to make it look like a fish. So the idea of his concept or the abstraction of it was that to mimic the movements of a fish in water as it swims. And so it reflects really nicely. Whereas I feel like sometimes... His way of putting things, because to him, that's his aesthetic in general, but then to a larger audience, because it's not something they see in the everyday, therefore they believe it is abstract themselves. What about you? Mm, like, I mean, yeah, like, I completely agree with that one. And even when, if you're actually around people and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, Frank Gehry, do you like his work? And personally speaking, I actually don't mind his work. I actually find it very different. And I think different is always good because it gives you another you're like oh okay cool he actually came up with this form this way well let me try that you know so I think it stimulates your imagination as well and like what's possible but I think when you speak to people now oh yeah do you like Frank Gehry's work I think everyone as well deep down they do like and appreciate his work like I mean to get a structure that he can you know call his own and build you know like I think when you ask someone, oh, yeah, do you like Frank Gehry's work? And you're like, oh, no. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't like his work either. You know? It's like people people in architecture are very clicky and they conform to, you know, a lot of what other people think because the architects that you like dictate the type of person and architect that people will think that you are. So if you're like, oh, yeah, I love Japanese architecture so much, <laughs> then people are like, okay, cool. So you really like minimalist you know concrete you know like sana um kind of structures very simple storytelling white rendered walls blah 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 blah. but then if you're like oh i love biak ingles then you're like oh okay cool so you're a fan of you know complex but simple structures at the same time that are just populist type of architecture forms where it's like simple structure but Mm. you know you've got a a factory that blows out smoke rings like oh you know like then they're like, oh, okay cool you're like this is the kind of architect that you aspire to be so architecture is a very clicky career thing where you'll get judged based on the architects that you like you know imagine like oh sean likes frank gary <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think about these things actually that never came across mm. my mind so for me, it's like when you said, I like Japanese architecture. Again, I am one of the guilty parties <laughs> of it. But the thing is, it's because I wonder if it's because of the people we're surrounded with all the time. If you think about it, like a lot of our tutors had somewhat of an association with Japanese architects and going to Japan a lot. And given that Australia's recent boom of going to Japan a lot as well, and I feel like to an extent that influenced my interest mm-hmm. in architecture like the Japanese architecture and having said like now that you mentioned it's a clicky thing I think that's the reason why I never tell people like whether I've got any favorite architects mainly because for me is I really don't have anybody who 
I really want to aspire to be but mainly like their principles and thoughts and philosophies yes I would aspire to be like them but in general forms and such I tend to turn to artists a lot probably because I did study a lot of fine arts when I was in high school but in this case it's like to ask me whether I've got an architect that I really like or look up to I'm just like eh. <laughs> I really don't have yeah, any. I feel you I feel you because <laughs> um <laughs> I do realize yeah. you can get judged. And it's like it's like high school, you know, <laughs> it's like you hang around people who, you know, you can talk about, you know, work with and it sparks really like interesting conversations. But like if you're in the master's room and you're studying, like you can probably get an idea as to like who likes who in terms of the work that they output, you know. So yeah, like the standard general architecture firm that any first year or second year student will say is I love Bjarg Ingels. I love Bjarg Ingels. I love big <laughs> architects because I think that is, I think they're marketing, they're the apple of, um, you know, the tech industry. They are so good at creating these renders and storytelling. Like, like I think they're called populist architects, you know, and like their ideas are so wild, but they make sense. They're like, like, yeah, it's just incredible. And I think his work speaks for himself. Like, I don't blame people for saying I love Bjarke Ingels because his work is actually truly amazing, you know. And the animations that he's able to do as well, it gives it this awesome, like, oof, you know, like, originality. And you're just like, wow, like, what's he going to do next? And his favorite quote is, like, you should be designing the city that you see in your dreams, right? Because, like, in your dreams anything is possible, everything is limitless. But that's also how we should be approaching, you know, this abstract method of approaching our built environment. That's how we should be approaching that too. And I think his work is real, abstract, and I think that's how designers should, you know, really start learning at uni. Because if you just wanted to design something that follows building regulations, then don't do architecture. Go do a diploma of building and construction. That's a good point. Okay, so just to wrap off like the whole abstract and then just kind of going back to the other topic that we wanted to talk about, like given on the circumstances right now, because a lot of us are working remotely as well, mm. and then do you think we need abstract ideas to as like to continue to mark the success of architecture? I guess to rephrase it, it's like saying, do you think abstract is needed now so that in the future our industry will keep on thriving or do you think there needs to be something else other than being abstract Mm, I think it's a there's many different ways that you can approach it you know like right now architecture what it needs is some form of inspiration to get the industry Mm. kicked off again you know like the last um, global crisis like it sparked a lot of sole traders to go out and do a lot of their own work you know but obviously you need money power to be able to accommodate for that. And maybe abstract design may not something that may be appropriate for the current circumstances. Cause I think engaging in abstract is also more so a luxury. Um, like I said before, it's not something that we can allow for at the moment right now. What we need to be doing is, you know, rapid urbanization and urban development, because we need to accommodate for the growing city. Like, cities will always continue to grow. Like, yes, like, a stock, it will drop for a bit, but it will spike up again. Um, And what I think we need right now is for quantity, 
Uh, we need a lot of mass building to be completed. But then at the end of the day as well, it's like being abstract. Yeah, it just may not be appropriate right now, but it may be appropriate mm. later on. Because I think what the industry needs right now is like a structure that's inspirational. Like it becomes a symbol of what's to come, a symbol of hope. So if an architect like Bjark could come up with a monument that, you know, may not necessarily have to be residential or nor commercial, it could literally just be a symbol of hope. This abstract thinking could inspire and should inspire other people to do the same. Because what we need, right? What the world needs right now is hope. Yeah, I agree with you. And like, given the circumstances where both of us are also looking for work right now, it's more like, at what point that, like, how do we sell ourselves or bring new voices in to just say that like, who convince the people who are hiring? Like, we are in a good position to give new ideas right now because I think optimism is really crucial to our industry. I don't think. Many architects would stay in this field if they are not as optimistic or idealistic. Like, of course, it drops down as you get older because the realisms can perhaps blindside you or it can drain you. But at the same time, like, as long as you've got hope and also you've got ambition, it would help you to an extent. Mm. I mean, the general consensus is about architecture. It's like we get shafted the most in terms of the economic return and, you know, our reward at the end of the day like you'd be silly to say oh i don't care about money everyone cares about money it's just not something that people are happy to admit because you just come across as oh so are you really passionate or are you in it for the money and let's be honest like if you're in architecture for the long run you're not going to get six figures for a very long time you're not going to be able to do what you did at uni for a very long time Mm. so i think to be in this profession and to stick it out you have to have true passion for it um but i think this whole crisis as well is showing that i read an article the other day on linkedin which showed i think there was like 30 to 40 percent of jobs what this covid19 situation is showing is that you don't need to be at work to be able to do work like it shows the number of i think it listed a number of professions where work can actually be be done at home you know things like zoom technologies and all that like These things are stimulating a new form of work, you know. Maybe more firms might actually implement three days of the week you're in office, two weeks, two two of the other days of the week you're at home. So, yeah, you know, who knows what, you know, could come from the situation. But, you know, I think great thing about society and humanity is we, we adapt very well. And that's just all about adaptive evolution. Like, that's why humans are, you know, able to live the way we are because we can adapt to challenges and if there's no challenges then the human race will become extinct because there's nothing to challenge us or to stimulate our growth we we'd be in the stone ages still with fire and and clubs yeah if we didn't realize oh okay we have to insulate our homes oh okay cool first home is built like that's how I see this situation. It's just to be as optimistic as possible. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Ah, well, anyway, there's a lot of food for thought, mm. abstract. Mm-hmm. Things that happened in the past is now very concrete in the future. Mm-hmm. Do you have any closing comments you want to say before we wrap things up? 
Um, I think given what the whole world is currently going through, I think I have to remind myself of this and maybe other people need to be reminded of this as well, that it's to just be positive, to just have hope and faith in your own abilities to be able to, you know, know that there's something out there waiting for you. Like there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of, you know, mixed emotions because people don't know what's happening at this point in time and mm. what will happen. Um, but the only thing that we want to be able to control and that we can control is our confidence in ourselves. And I think a good thing is just figuring out what's controllable, what's non-controllable. Um, it's okay to freak out, but, um, yeah, just believing in yourself and believing in your work and just being persistent, you know? Yeah. Lovely. Thanks so much, Sean, for joining me. That's all right. No stress. Thank you. And guys, I am on Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts. It took me a long time to get on there. And so I will link some of the buildings and the architects we've mentioned in the notes. And Sean, do you have any handles you'd like to plug in? I know you started this whole photography journey, which is really impressive, by the way. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, guys, you can find me on Instagram at, at Shawnee. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely put those in the notes too. Please check his work out. He deserves recognition. Really love his work. So in the meantime, let us know what else you'd like us to talk about next and we'll see you for another session. Bye!